Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manesh. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. This is no exception. We've got a great guest today. But first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. International Coffee Farms grows and sells specialty coffee in Boquete, Panama. They now have 11 fully operational coffee farms and they are 100% sold out. They are accepting reservations for farm number 12. If the idea of owning a safe, diversified offshore investment is intriguing to you, check out International Coffee Farms at internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back. We've got a great guest this weekend, all the way from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Welcome, Bob Burr. Ah, how are you doing? Bob, great to see you again. You know, oftentimes we talk about real estate, but there's many different forms of real estate. We tend to think about bricks and mortar. You are from the oil and gas industry. Let's talk a little bit about oil and gas as it relates to real estate. When you buy land, you don't, you may or may not necessarily get the mineral rights. How's that all work? Well, uh, the oil and gas business is really a lot like real estate in the sense location, location, location. You pay for the location. Uh, in the oil and gas business, generally speaking, the landowner owns a hundred percent of the minerals and also surface rights. Not necessarily some folks own the surface rights and do not own their minerals. And this is part of the uh, process we go through of getting a lease. Let's say that we want a man's land and he has 600 acres. He owns the surface and the minerals. Then we go in and we start dealing with him on what type net revenue lease we can get from him, meaning he has 100%. Of course, we want to get as much of that 100% as we can and oil and gas industry practice is generally 75% net revenue lease, meaning that the landowner retains 25% of all the minerals. His is an overriding royalty, meaning that if I do a lease with him, I get the 75%. I pay 100% of all the cost of drilling, testing, completing, and operating the wells. The landowner never pays one nickel. He gets his money. If 100000 comes in, he will get a $25,000 check right off the top. Then I will take the 75000 and I will pay the expenses incurred of producing that well for that month. And then we'll net that out. And that is what my partners and myself will have as income for that month on that particular well. So you will very seldom get a 100% lease. Now, in Louisiana, for example, it's a lot tougher. The French people in South Louisiana understand the economics, and you're lucky to get a 70% net revenue lease. And also, in Louisiana, you get one-year leases. And when you, you, know, you may have options to renew it for two or three more years. However, you pay the same rental or lease cost the second year as you did the first. In Texas, you get three-year leases where you pay a one-time fee, and then you option it for several more years at, say, 10% of the, the, the front-end cost. So every area is different. Every lease is different. Uh, there's acreage selling right now in the Premium Basin for 100000 an acre for a probably 65% net revenue lease. So that's where the art of dealing, of trading, and knowing your business comes in. You have lease hounds, we call them, and they do all the groundwork for you. Uh, before you buy a lease, you've got to, of course, go to the courthouse. 
and you do a stand-up, what we call a stand-up title, and you check it all the way back to the land grants, making sure it's clean title. Uh, the landowner generally will not guarantee the title. You will get insurance on the title uh, policy for, for, for that type deal. And when you get through, you know what you have. The landowner knows what he or she has. And then you get on with developing the property. That's how it works. It's a fascinating process. And I have, a, unfortunately, a little bit of experience in this, having drilled a couple of oil wells in Kentucky. And it turned out very badly, for me anyway. But I know the tremendous amount of wealth has been created in oil exploration and in oil production. And I know that you've been at this for a number of years, one of the most successful people in the oil and gas industry, and one of the most honest, by the way, as well. Unfortunately, it's an industry that has attracted one or two bad characters. But let's, let's focus in a little bit on, on the exploration piece. You know, when you, if you have a small parcel of land and you're drilling down a very deep well, maybe drilling horizontally, how does that all work as you get close to boundaries of other properties? What are some of the issues there? Well, in the uh, state of Texas, they're probably, they are the most sophisticated uh, state operator of oil and gas properties in the United States. They have a railroad commission that uh, is the governing body, the regulatory, and you have to file uh, forms each and every month on exactly how much you produced, from what zone you produced, how much salt water you produced. And if you fail to file these forms, they shut you in. Your protection in Texas is you have a railroad commission that will actually have a court hearing. This court hearing, I just drilled a well, let's say, on a 10,000-foot gas well, and I hit the Pettit Lime or the uh, Wilcox, but I, I have a good well. Now, we will take the logs, and I'll bring my engineer to the, uh, to the railroad commission hearing. The railroad commission will have their representatives, and we will have a, not a dog fight, but we will have a, a session on how many acres that well should be spaced on. We'll look at the permeability of the rock, we'll look at the, the porosity of the rock, we'll look at the drainage, downhole pressures. Anyway, we will do a complete reservoir analysis of that one well. They may come up and say, uh, Bob, your well should drain sufficient reserves from 80 acres. So. Uh, as long as you can keep them on 80 acres and stay X of feet away from the property line, you can drill. This is a vertical well. This is not a horizontal well. If I get drilling a horizontal wells, I really don't see you drilling a horizontal well unless you do it on 640s. Uh, that's a large track. But if you're going to go to that expense, you've got to get out there, drill it 10,000 deep, 12,000, and take it out 8 to 12,000. So that's, uh, I don't know the exact numbers on that, but that's how that works. Uh, years ago, they used to call it slant hole drilling back in the outlaw days. East Texas was known for it. A guy would hit a whale, he'd kick it out on Albers land next door, slant, slant drill it, and uh, the thievery began. It's so regulated nowadays, that's, that's a thing of the past. It doesn't really, it doesn't happen. So much of the industry, certainly the major players, are very focused on the initial yield, in particular with shale plays. You've got this inverse hyperbolic decline curve, so you get the vast majority, 50% of your yield in the first couple of years, and then you get down onto the flat part of the production curve that where it could go for quite a long time, 15, 20, 30 years even. What's your perspective, maybe for the smaller players that are looking to get in uh, under the radar of the major oil companies? Are there opportunities? for mature wells, 
maybe to uh, re-stimulate production, things like that, that represent great ROI but aren't necessarily a thousand barrels a day that the major oil companies would be interested in? Well, of course, there's, there's just tremendous opportunities in doing all of that. You just have to make sure that whomever you're playing with, who you decide to do business with, really knows the business. I mean, there's so much to the oil business. Let me point out, we're doing saltwater disposal wells. That's another segment, uh, a root, so to speak, of the tree. Uh, they are natural, especially with these big, deep Eagleford shale wells. They make tons of water. Uh, when they frack them, they make tons of water. And I've already purchased four saltwater disposal wells. Now, the way this works is they have to dispose of their water. They do not want to be hindered with that. They don't want that, that obligation. They're too busy making money out of oil to worry about some something. Well, it's perfect for folks like us. We make a lot of money at it. You buy a well, you put a well in, you find a zone that will take the water, a zone that has porosity, permeability, low bottom hole pressures, and uh, you start, it may be 7,000, maybe 9,000 feet deep. Uh, but you perforate that just like you do an oil well. And then the companies actually truck it to you, and you put it in the ground for 35 to 50 cents a barrel. Now you have to have someone in your, on your team that knows where the water is. Well, I happen to have that guy. He's been down there 40 years. So uh, we've got four of these wells. We'll, it's just a, it's a built-in service apparatus for the companies, and it's based on having the players involved that know the players to get the water. Boom, boom, boom. Not, it's, it's, a, it's not a real complicated deal. Not a lot can go wrong with it. If oil prices drop, it kills you for a year or two. You don't lose your well. You pay in the shut-in royalties. When they come back, you're back in business. Now, in the oil business, what a lot of folks do not discuss with their, their partners, well, it's one thing to worry about the potential of making a well. Tremendous gamble there. No doubt about it. I don't care how good the geologist is. It's a mile down, two miles down, and nobody can see that deep in the earth. They're very good. They do the subsurface mapping. They do their... 3D seismics, they do all of the, all the tools uh, at hand, they do, to help them be in a position to, to be solid when it comes to finding oil. But still, you gamble when you drill. Now, that's one gamble there. Now, let's talk about the other gambles, and this is where it comes in to knowing who you're playing with. There's gambles when you start drilling wells. What? You can lose circulation and get stuck in the hole. What's that mean? The well just went from 1x to 4x in cost. What's that mean? may have destroyed your economics. Maybe it wasn't worth that four. It was worth the one, but wasn't worth the four. There, there's areas you get where it, the, you can't keep the, the well vertical. There's huge boulders down there. The, the, the bit would kick, and it, when it kicks, it'll go back northwest, and you got to go southeast. Well, you get down, and you run a radius tool on your, on your hole, and you find that 6,000 feet, you're five degrees off. Well, that's 150, 200 feet bottom hole. My God, then you got to bring in a directional team. That's another two or $300,000. Now you got a crooked hole. So now you run your tubing. Well, it's got it, you got it. I mean, on and on and on and on. So it's not just the gamble of getting the oil and gas. It's also the, the knowledge of knowing the area. Like every time we go into an area, I have a son that's an expert on due diligence. And this guy will go up and anywhere within five miles of us, that's producing or that was drilled on dry hole will have logs on it and we are looking for every black widow in the hat what can kill us on this deal and our partners so that's a lot of work 
uh, when you're looking at prospects, a geologist will bring you a prospect, and it looks great. Good geology, good seismic, good everything. So I fall in love with it. I'm ready to go. I'm all fired up to go raise money. Well, just for the safety's sake of knowing who I am, being 70 years old, I know Robert Burr. I hire an outside, independent, third-party consulting geological uh, engineering firm, and I said, I said, George, I'm sending you another one. Kill this for Bob Burr. Kill it, because I like it. If you can't kill it, let's keep looking. So we'll go through 15 deals and get one. That's a lot of work, a lot of money. It costs me 150 to 300,000 qualifying prospects before I go to the market with it to ask my partners for their money. And then still, I point out to the partners, we're gambling. Golly, don't, I got to tell you the bitter with the sweet. I'm not, I don't sell sizzle. I don't live there. Too damn old and just too straight up. I want good partners. I want them mature partners that know what we're getting into. And then leave me alone and I'll get the work done and we're going to make some money. Stay with me. We will make money. But we may lose money too. It's just part of it. I love that. But it's a it's a fascinating industry and it's one that's continually evolving. And, you know, for those of you who are listening to this, you're thinking might be intrigued or you might be terrified. And uh, who knows? That's wonderful, Bob. Great to see you again. I look forward to spending a couple of weeks together later in the spring. And uh, we had so much fun last year. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, it's a ball. It's, it's great. The people are great. What I really love about it more than just the, the, the marketing side is the spirit of the people. I mean, golly, they're beautiful folks. They have love in their heart. I, I just really enjoy that type of atmosphere and the boys at Radio, Real Estate Radio Boys, and all you guys that's been there forever. Y'all have just built a, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful group of people, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm a part of it. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Okay, buddy. Well, I love that conversation with Bob Burr. You can tell from his demeanor, this is an oil man through and through, right to his very core. If you want to learn a little bit more about oil exploration, Bob is the president and CEO of Panther Exploration out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. He can be reached at www.panex.us. That's P-A-N-E-X.us. If you're loving what you're hearing on the Real Estate Espresso podcast, go tell two friends about it today. Love to have them listen to the show. Why keep all this goodness to yourself? Spread the love around. The show is supported on 14 different platforms, including Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and many, many, many others. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.